Hey everyone, how's it going? Welcome back to a brand new episode of the Lucky Dip Podcast where we talk about esports and sometimes we have guests on, sometimes I'm solo. I know it's been a couple of weeks since I last had a podcast episode out. I was working some weekends, family was over visiting and I thought let's just take a couple of weeks off but we're back now and I thought I'm not just going to come back on my own, I'm going to come back with a guest. So we have a very special guest today, one of the newest members of Cryus Gaming, which is the esports organization that I own. Serve, how's it going? Going really good. I'm very happy to be here and ready to talk about esports for sure. Should be fun. Gamers are uniting in this podcast. So tell everybody kind of what your role is on Cryus and just a little bit about yourself. Uh, well, I've been a quote-unquote competitive player. Um in Rocket League for about two years now, um, uh, and I have been uh, playing for many different teams. And as for Cryus, I've been a Rocket League captain on Cryus for about a month, a month and a half now, um, and it's been a really good journey. We've had some decent results um, on, uh, up until this point, and yeah, that's pretty much my little intro. Yeah, no, for sure. So, yeah, you're one of the newest members of the Cryus crew, and you're our new Rocket League roster, our new captain for that. And the other two players on the main roster are uh, Spooky and Tokyo. Then we finally have a sub, and we have a coach. So everything's kind of going good. It uh, takes a little while to do some of that stuff to get the process running to make sure everything's going good. So still a very new roster, pretty, relatively new team, right? Because you were part of, when you guys formed, you were Team Execute. And how long were you Team before we kind of picked you up um oh man i gotta really dig into the memory bank here um i would say that we were pretty much a team since a couple weeks in the new year so overall around i was looking for third with tokyo um starting early january and um from there um we had someone else and we actually funny enough had spooky as a substitute um but things with our third very quickly didn't work out um so we, me and Tokyo both discussed, and we both uh, thought, you know what, um, Spooky had a really good vibe with us. We all got along very well. We had great chemistry, um, and we felt like, you know, it's Spooky is by no means a dip in performance. In fact, we played in a tournament just to sort of test things out after and come up with a choice. Played the best we ever have. So we both said, yeah, no, Spooky, it is. And then from that point. Um, probably around three to four weeks before we signed with you guys. Yeah, no, that's awesome. And so how did you, because you and Tokyo then were obviously kind of teaming a little bit beforehand. So how did you guys meet? Mm -hmm. Um, So pretty much, oh man, this is a really, <laughs> I got to go very far back That's the here. podcast. Um, we, we take you all the way back. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, we're going back in the timeline for this one. Um, I first met Tokyo around December 2020 to January 2021. Um, me and my old third, Orave, um, had just um, removed our other third because of some it was just basic toxic behavior. We just didn't have it. We just didn't have the capacity for it anymore. So we removed him and we tried out a couple of people. And fun, funny enough, Tokyo was the first tryout we did out of the three or four candidates we had and it just clicked instantly i mean he played as he's just a very mechanical player so he played out of his mind good like it was crazy how good he played and then the two of us played well around him because Orev and i are were at the time more defensive players so it gave him a lot of space to do as he wanted and from there we were able to sort of uh you know make something work and um funny enough it was actually so we go all the way back with this team too um it was the first tryout with tokyo was against uh volkenzi's old team um so we would <laughs> the two of our teams go very far back um but yeah from there um we rotated rosters a little bit and then me and arave which was a duo for 16 months uh disbanded uh finally and um uh it was just me and tokyo left on the roster because our old third left and orave left uh because we had a very disappointing season um and me and tokyo were like 
you want well, why don't we try to make something work here because i think both of us were knew that we could have done better with that old roster that old sacramento uprising roster that i used to be a part of um both of us figured that there was just a couple of mistakes that we made on there that we could have done better you know and from there it, it took off when every tryout we had went really well um and we've gone in a lot of tournaments so i met tokyo all the way back and it's it's been like bubbling to the surface, but now it's the first time where it's like really been a team environment for a long time and it's worked really well so far. Yeah, no, that's great. And I was just going to ask you too, kind of about play styles and everything. So that's always something that I find interesting as a, like for players, right? Because when I go in Rock League, as I always say when I'm on the podcast, when I'm playing with you guys, or not playing together, I'm talking to you guys, you're just such another level in Rock League, right? <laughs> I mean, I'm not that yeah. level. I have been improving a little bit though, because you didn't, you didn't know me when I was like just starting Rock League. I only started playing about a year ago, actually less than a year yeah. ago. And I didn't really take it seriously or, or really try because I was like, I, I'm not trying to be one of the players. But then recently, as you kind of start getting better, it's a little bit addicting, right? You kind of go and you're like hitting shots. You're like, oh, okay, I'm actually like getting better at this. Then it gets more fun in, a, in my eyes. And then I want to practice more. I don't want to become a you know a solid player or anything. That's your guys' job. But it's, it's fun to be good at the game. So how is your play style kind of adjusted because you went from more of that defensive role. Is that still kind of the role you play in Rocket League? Or, or have you kind of been working on mechanics or, or things like that? Um, so my time in Rocket League has always been more... I've been a very sort of team-oriented player um, in my first, I would like to say, year, year and a half as a um, player. Um, I was very defensive. I played more of that sort of what we call third-man role. Uh, that sort of anchor on defense that would sit back a little bit more and uh, collect the ball and, you know, pass and all that stuff. And as time went on, um, we finally started, me and Ori finally started getting to a point. This is around when we just signed Tokyo. Um, that was, the, Tokyo was like the first third that we had that really propelled us to beat some pretty good teams and make some waves in some weeklies. Obviously, we are only around GC2, so it's not... We're not, like, the best team there by far, but we're pulling some upsets, and that's when I started to realize, like, I've got to up the mechanics because I'm just a little bit behind. Um, and I literally have started grinding, working on mechanics, and for every Rocket League player, I feel like it's different. Um, some players like to focus more on, you know, the basics, which is what I was. I focus on, you know, just simple shots, simple saves. So I had the basics down and I had a basis to build those mechanics off of. So once I started adding those to my repertoire, I started to get a lot more aggressive and I started to push on offense a lot more. And yeah, then I became like the super aggressive, like in your face player and finally, um, after, you know, that, when we signed our, when me and Orave uh, picked up our final third cream um, under Sacramento Uprising, um, I sort of settled into that playmaker role. So I would sit and second man, which is sort of in the middle of the field on offense especially, and just either pick up the ball and create a play or use one of my air dribbles, or I'd be passing a lot. and. That's sort of the role I play on Cryus, too. Um, I'm a lot more of a playmaker than I have been before. Mm -hmm. um, and it really works very well because I've kind of been known as sort of the all-rounder of the team for a while now because I've got sort of the... I've got brain, but I've also got some mechanics on me now. So mm -hmm. it's that's sort of been my play style for the last sort of four or five months has been sort of an all-around playmaker. Um, so it's, it, it's a very... It's hard. Because um, there are some series where... There are some series where you'll fly completely under the radar um, and not be noticed when you're really doing a lot of work in the midfield. Because second man is responsible for sitting there and, you know, either picking up the ball, making a play. You, you've got to be aware of what's going on at all times, and that doesn't exactly equate to, you know, 
flashy goals sometimes. So it's definitely not for those that, you know, want to feel like <laughs> they're the best on the, on the team all yeah, the time. On the but... leaderboards. Cause, but see, the thing is, oh, yeah. like you're saying, is just sometimes stats are important, right? It's obviously. But they're not always the most important. And so, like, the main game that I watch competitively is Call of Duty. And there's a lot of times where the stats is all people base off the skills of a team or certain players. But when you actually watch mm. the gameplay, which I know is very similar with Rocket League, if you actually notice what the players are doing, if that one player who might not have the crazy stats isn't there, lots of these plays wouldn't be happening because that's their role, is to elevate everybody else and to like make things happen, which might not always equate in a goal or a save, right? So I can see that being tough, but you're kind of a vital component to the team. And, and does Rocket League have, have in-game leaders? Or like like Valorant does, or something, or is it is it kind of more just everybody's on the same page, like during comms, and and is there a leadership role? Um, that is, it's very um difficult because in my experience, it's a very team to team basis. Um, because I have sit sat through several teams comms. Um, for hours, I would say that there are definitely there's a comm leader. Um, and that happens for a lot of teams, especially around our rank. There's one person that's calling out more often than the others. Um, now that one person that's sort of like, because Rocket League's a game where you can't just calm what you're doing. You've got to make sure that you're saying like, oh, look, like this person's on you. Like Zuki's on you. You have a second or like you have to go now. Like, yeah, you know, you've got to make sure you're calling all of that stuff. And at around the sort of 17, 1800 level, not everyone's good at that. Um, even SSLs aren't good at that. Um, so on teams, there has to be a comm leader sometimes at somebody that steps up and makes sure that their voice is heard and that cuts the silence. Um, and in my experience of the team right now, all three of us have really done that before. So all three of us are capable of doing that. but. Recently, it's been typically either me or even more often actually Spooky that leads comms a lot of the time. Um, when Spooky's on his comms, he's going to make his voice heard. He's calling when things are happening. He's, you know, using his awareness to his advantage because he actually is coached in his time previous. So he has really good um, game awareness and mm. that game awareness um, helps. So when he's calling out that stuff, it really helps me in Tokyo. Um, and he does a very good job of that. And I'm used to doing that, but it's really spooky. That's sort of stepped up as that comms leader. But that's even good that you have a couple of people who can, who can sort of take that role. Cause I think a lot of people who might be listening to stuff, you might just think that you're sitting there and you just play the game and that's about it. But there's a whole other aspect to practicing and, and going over comms and stuff because you have to, have that communication like as you said where you have to know where everybody is on the map and that goes for every esport at least that i know of especially in call of duty and stuff where there's more players and i know especially in rocket league too like that's why there's a big difference when you're playing when you're solo queuing it's you and two random people you're not calming or anything because you can't in rocket league really unless you're in the same party as each other on discord but anyways when you play with people and and you know what's going on it, it really does help because you don't need to pay attention to every single little thing because somebody might say, oh, there's a guy up, and then you go, okay, I'm not going to go for this ball yet. Or like, you have time, then you can go for a shot. Or things like that. I think it would really help, and, and that's where I want people listening as well to know that esports is a sport. It's just video games, right? So it's mm-hmm. just like any other sport traditionally where there's tactics you go over. You have plays that you want to make. You have communication that's very key. You practice plays. You go over replays, which I think is also a really cool aspect of esports is that we have such easy access to going over replays because we can just record everything i know other sports you can too but i think rock leagues and and esports is kind of cool in that way hey oh definitely now oh oh yeah go ahead oh no i wasn't gonna say anything okay all good so so kind of going back to when you started getting into rocket league how'd you how'd you get into it um so i got into it i saw it on YouTube, like when it first released, and I was so like enthused by it. But the thing was, I didn't own a PlayStation or a computer, uh, or a good computer. I own like 
a terrible like three-year-old like dell laptop that was just not (laughs) (laughs) that's not gonna do much no disk space like terrible ram just awful um but i couldn't play it because i only had an xbox um and it did not release originally on xbox it was exclusively a playstation and pc game so lame oh yeah absolutely so i had to wait and bide my time and eventually and in around 2016 it came out on xbox and i loved it um being somebody that i'm a really big soccer or football fan depending on where you're from soccer Um, (laughs) yeah i'm a really big soccer fan um i've always followed the game i've played soccer um but i wasn't always physically like (laughs) up to speed with the other kids um so it kind of gave me that sort of like rushes like Rocket League such a unique game in the sense that, for example, I'm a FIFA fan too. I've played stuff like FIFA, I've played stuff like NBA 2K, and the games like that, they feel like you're controlling players. Yeah. Rocket League's a game where you feel like you're the player. You're on the field and you're playing. Like, it feels like you're in full control of yourself. You're not just a player... You're not controlling a player that just only has a set amount of moves. You are the player. You can move your car in any which way you want in order to get whatever you want done, done. And that aspect has kept me on this game for... I'm close to 3,000 hours now across all platforms. Um, Wow. That's that's a lot. lot, A lot of time. Uh, (laughs) And it's all because of that feeling um i'm like super adhd brain when it comes to games i'll stay on them for max like two weeks um and then i'll move on to the next one without even thinking yeah (laughs) i can't i can't can't stay on a game but rocket league i can't stay off it like if i'm not playing Rocket League for like three or four days, like something feels wrong. Like I can't take a break from it. I guess I'm an addict, and the only other game that's ever really done that for me is FIFA. But besides that, Rocket League has just been my go to game. So trying to, you know, getting into it was <laughs> very influential. Although when I was like in middle school playing the game, I definitely did not think I would be at the point I am now. Um, I remember, like, I was like, all right, I'm, I'm going to, I'm gonna, like, celebrate when I hit GC. Like, GC is, like, impossible. It's so far away. I'm never going to do it. And, yeah, now here I am. I get GC every season. And it's like, gosh, I'm so bad. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <that's... laughs> Isn't that funny, though, that, that, that shift in thinking? Whereas before, you're like, oh, my goodness, I, I'm never going to hit GC and then you hit it, and you're like, I can't believe I only hit GC. Like, dude, you're still, in the, like, one of the top tiers. Oh, yeah, no. That's just how yeah. it is. It's just how it is. I mean, in terms of, like, my state that I live in, I'm probably, like... I'm just going to estimate here. This is no official ranking. I mean, there is no, an official No, we'll make it official. It'll ranking. be okay. Let's just pretend it's official. According <laughs> to the quote-unquote state rankings that people go by i'm 21st but i don't believe that because there's a lot of people that aren't listed there and don't register for that by my estimation i'm probably like top 50 in my state which is crazy in that's and of still itself. huge and how do you know yeah. roughly like what that not the population of the state but what population of players that's from because that's still pretty impressive um i don't but that's i live in new jersey which is the most like condensed state there's millions of people in this small little area <laughs> i don't even so, know where it is on a map i get confused that whole east coast i'm yeah, i'm so confused yeah. <laughs> and more people oh, live in worry. like literally more people live in that one area like new york all these little states than mm-hmm. the entire population of canada quite li- I, I think like literally i think that's how <laughs> crazy it is Oh, it's crazy how, like, like I'll, I'll, I gotta see, like, what the population is, because, like, 
the population of New Jersey is crazy high considering how many. It's not that clients. big though, right? Yeah. No, it's Dude. not. Okay, so you have 8 million around, I mean, this is from a couple years ago, but around 8.8 .8 million people in yeah. New Jersey, mm -hmm. whereas like entire Canada has, let me just look at this. I, I need to make sure that I'm um, correct with my numbers, has only 38 million across the entire yeah. country. Yeah, and uh, we we're, our state is about um, 7,300 square miles, or about 19,000 square kilometers. That is <laughs> so, <laughs> insane. Yeah, so there are a lot of people here. Uh, so it's really cool to think that you're one of the top, but also like playing against pros before. It's like, oh my god, like... <laughs> I'm really not great yet, but I feel like there's two responses you can have to that as a player, right? You can have the response of, I'm just never going to be there. I'm so far behind. I'm not going to catch up. Why even try? And you can have the response of, I'm like, yeah, they're pros and I'm me, but... I want to get there so bad. I'm going to keep going for it because there's so many different things you can do. And Rocket League has metas that change so often. You never know when your time's going to come. That's the fun part. That is very true. Now, yeah. No, you keep going. Keep going. And now, like, the bubble scene is pretty established. Um, the top is the top. Um, in NA at least, it's pretty hard to break into the top. Um, the like sixteen twenty best teams are pretty much always going to make RLCS, for example. And now, it's been a couple of teams that have broken in once or twice, you know, done that. But the best teams are the best teams in North America, and there's very little changing that. So it's hard to become a pro nowadays. Um, but I will say that Rocket League's new format has gotten a lot easier um, to break in because it used to be, so you know that there's open qualifiers, right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, it used to be Rocket League was a league format. So pretty much round robin tournament group stage and then a playoff, a page playoff bracket at the end. Um, problem with that was the bubble teams could only. Um, do those open qualifiers once per four or five months when they would have an event. Oh. Um, so mm -hmm. it was a very long time between being able to try and see what happens. With the whole year season format, you can try three times for split. So there's a lot more opportunity than there used to be. It's just, you know, in NA the established is always the established and they're the best of the best. It's very hard to break into it. Yeah. Yeah. And that's, that's definitely how it goes. But I think why I like rocket league and some other games that also have open brackets is that there's always that chance, right? There's always, you mm -hmm. never know. There could always be that chance where you can make it, even if you don't make it far, but if you even just got your name out there, that is something very cool because for example, I always go back to Call of Duty. That's just that's one competitively that I know. It used to be like that too, where like anybody could enter a tournament, anybody could play. There could be crazy upsets from this team nobody's heard about beating big teams like Optic and, and all these other guys. But now it's a franchise league. So not yeah. only can you not, you literally just can't. It's a $25 million buy-in and they only have X amount of teams. Like they're not just going to let some random people in. But then there's no support for the challenger scene, which are the ones like the bubble scene in Rocket League, that's what it is for Call of Duty, it's called challengers, but there's nowhere for them to go because they'll never make it to the pro level unless they get on one of those teams. But I think that's where Rocket League is really cool because as you just said, there's a few times per split where you guys could even enter some of the quals and you could try mm -hmm. your hand in it and you never know who you might play. I mean, just Zuki the other day played against Garrett from, from NRG and they yeah. won RLCS, how many times have they won like everything? It's crazy. Oh, yeah, they win a whole bunch of splits. They won a world championship. Garrett's the only player that's been to every RLCS LAN 
ever. So yeah, it's it's definitely crazy, and that's the fun part about Rocket League is it's a any given day type sport, yeah, or, or type esport. Any team can win on any day because the example I use is there's a team called the Peeps all the way back in a, September 2019. Um, they played in DreamHack Montreal, um, and they're just like, they got in somehow, and they beat the top teams everywhere. They literally beat, like, the giants of Rocket League at that time. Um, they beat Vitality, who just won... RLCS World Championship. In fact, I was actually there at the land they won. Wow. Um, uh, so, uh, yeah, that was a very exciting time for me. Uh, I'm a G2 fan, and G2 lost in the grand finals of that one. Oh. <laughs> which is, it, it's also funny. We're about to get back to that soon, too. So they beat Vitality in the semifinals, beaten a couple teams, um, some of the best teams there before, and then they go against G2 in the grand finals. And beat them in game seven. <laughs> wow. Um, which nobody thought was coming. Those three players, um, Miss Gyro and uh, Reynolds, were not really, you know, they were heard of. They were around the scene. They were in what was known as the RL, uh, RLRS or the Rival Series, which was kind of what you said is a challenger league for Call of Duty. Okay. It's sort of this below the RLCS league format. So you could get in there. Um, and um, pretty much um, they were just these rival series, like second division pros. And they just beat some of the top teams in North America and in Europe. They beat the world champions of Rocket League. They beat G2, who at that point, were just coming off of season seven where they were considered arguably the top team in the world. Um and definitely the best team in North America at that tournament. Um and they beat them. That is uh, crazy. convincingly. So anything can happen. And in fact, their play inspired a whole new meta for Rocket League. Demos were in after they won. Yeah. Aggressive play and demos were in, and that's still showing its head in the scene today and those three players went from nobodies to now um it's a uh, like uh gyro is on rogue now uh who are rogues like top 10 top 8 i believe in the rankings right now yeah so mist was on envy who is who were a top team in na they kind of fell off in the spring split but i think they might come back soon. We'll uh, see. Under Optic. They're going to come back under Optic after they had that merger. <laughs> That's what they're going to oh, do. Yeah. That's my guess. I think they're trying to rebrand everything from Envy to Optic. Like they already did Valorant and... Yeah. I don't know. Another game. But anyways. Yeah, definitely. I think with that support, they're definitely going to be pushed up to the top. And then Reddles is going to be playing in the Winter Major next week with Space Station Gaming. So... So cool. these guys went from like... Not really flying a bit under the radar. I won't say not heard of, but they were under the radar, and then all of a sudden, they just beat everybody at a major land. They beat everyone at a major tournament. Yep. Because for Rocket League, DreamHack, before we had the season long format, in between the seasons, uh, the world championships, because it would be, you know, just that kind of two, three month long season, and then a world championship, and then in two months, do the same thing. Um, there were a lot of things we called major lands uh, in between um, where major companies would host a Rocket League tournament uh, like DreamHack. That was the year where DreamHack had like four different ones. There was DreamHack Dallas. There was DreamHack Montreal. There was DreamHack Leipzig. There was like many different ones that year that people went to. Um, and those were like the lands we got. So this wasn't just some small little land. The top teams wanted to win this. This was a very competitive land because this is all they had back in the day. Um, and uh, they won, uh, just uh, which is crazy. So back to the whole RLCS, any team can win. 
really. It, it's it's scary. That is. Uh, one team can have an off day. One team can analyze another team, um, and win. Anything's possible. So it's really exciting to see and be involved in esport that has that capacity. Yeah, no, for sure. And I think just kind of going back to being able to play against some of these players, I think that's also where esports is so unique compared to other sports because you're never going to be, you know, just shooting some hoops and all of a sudden LeBron James walks in. You're like, oh, cool. I guess I'll just play against him in a quick 1v1. But literally in esports, you can play against these top pros randomly. You can just sometimes play against them. And that and that in itself is cool, regardless of the fact that you're not playing against them in like, you know, an actual tournament or anything, which sometimes can still happen. But regardless, I think that's kind of a unique thing about esports that is so cool is that you can play against these pros just in the game, like just randomly. And you're like, oh my goodness, this is the LeBron James of Rocket League, for example. Oh yeah. So that part's really cool. But how how is going to land? Because dude, ever since we've gotten in to, like since Christ has been a thing, the pandemic's been on. So now that we're finally getting out of it, now we're starting to get some ideas of like, oh, what do we want to do with this and that? I've never been to a LAN event. What was that like? It was uh, unreal. Um, <laughs> that's what made me say, I don't want to take this game casually anymore. I want to, I want to play competitively. That was the best experience I've ever had. Um, going there. And seeing people who I respect, I idolize, um, I want to be. Seeing those people there competing, talking to some of them, um, you know, watching them play, the crowd screaming as everybody is, you know, like getting geared up because their favorite teams are there. And it's NA too. And this was in the period where... Um, for the first time in five seasons, an NA team champions going into this. Cloud9 had won. Um, it was a European-dominated space. So to see North American teams all going um, uh, perfect records in the group stage and doing well in the playoffs, even though <laughs> the one European team that survived is the one that won. But, uh, That's um, how it goes, though, sometimes. <laughs> oh, yeah. Uh, it, it was just inspirational. It was awesome. Um, it's like every time someone's like, oh, I have an RLCS land in my area. I don't know if I'm going to go. I'm like, dude, just go. Trust me, go. Like, you're going to be so happy you did. Because, um, you know, I talked to people like I talked to some pros and I even talked uh, my favorite part, actually, because I cast as well. I, did, I was able to talk to some of the casters there. Because they were super chill and they were hanging out um, just in the stadium. And we got there really early because I'm like a freak about getting places as early as possible. Same. Um, and like, for example, I've talked to Lawler briefly, who's pretty uh, big. He used to be an RLCS caster. I, I talked to Golden Boy, which was awesome because Golden Boy's like, you know, he's known around a lot of different esports. And he helped develop Rocket League. He was the father of the casting style used in Rocket League. Like, to talk to this guy was awesome. And my favorite person personally to talk to, um, and it's actually someone that I have added on Steam. Uh, <laughs> I have an RLC. Hold on, you I'm just cut out there. You got to say it once more. I, I have an RLCS caster added on Steam. I know I'm Let's gonna be Let's go. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, um, I talked to LeafX. Um, you know the the Canadian man. Uh, <laughs> yes, sir. He's, yeah. Yo, uh, you know what's cool? He's casted one of our Cry schemes before. Oh, really? That's yeah. Crazy. Dude, it was back when. Well, the thing that sucked. It was back during this Telus Esports series, which was like a terrible yeah. event, a horrible event. But since Telus has a lot of money, they paid big casters, so they got LeafX in there. And I remember we were on stream, and I made a TikTok and stuff about it. And he was saying like Cryus and stuff, and I was like, dude, that is cool because he's Canadian. Oh, yeah. He's in it, and that was sweet. But I mean, he doesn't know who we are. He completely forgets about that. I mean, he's probably got a nice little paycheck, and then on our LCS again. But still, that's cool that you actually got to talk to him and, and that you have him on Steam. You game with him then? <laughs> Could you imagine um, you invite him? 
That'd be sweet. It's actually funny. I've played a 2v2 tournament with him before. <laughs> oh, really? <laughs> Let's go. I have. It's like 5.20 at night, and I'm just like chilling at my computer. Um, I remember why, but like I didn't have school that day for a pretty weird reason. So I was just like bored, just kind of trying to find something to do, and I get a DM from Leafax. I'm like, okay, like, what could this be about? And he's like, there's a phase 2v2 tournament, and I want to play it. You want to play with me? I'm Dude, like, right? I would have <laughs> lost composure in a good way. I was so nervous that, I'm like, that was the hardest I've ever tried. <laughs> Dude, that's so um, cool, though. Oh, man, it was awesome. And, you know, that's a cool part about the Rocket League scene is as much as it's now pushing to become a, a tier one esport, um, which I think that there needs to be a couple more steps before we reach there. I don't think we're quite there yet, but there's a close-knit community. Every caster, some pros, some pros are sort of high in the clouds above everyone else, but some are pretty down the earth and they talk with their fans a lot. And, you know, even just encountering some of them in rank, like I've encountered a pro or two in rank too. Um, I think I saw Justin in a casual game and I'm like, dude, what? That's crazy. <laughs> All of that, it just feels so close. Like, you all, as far away as you feel competitive wise, it's like you always feel like you're so close to these people. It's attainable. Like, oh, you're yeah. playing against them. Exactly. Like, my friend is like top 50 in the world, uh, uh, in threes ranked, uh, most of the time when he gets up there. And like, me and him are friends. You know, it's just more than just Rocket League, which is the fun part. Because I feel like I've been an org owner, I've been an org executive, I've been around, I've been a staff member. So I've seen very, I've seen a lot of communities, I've seen a lot of games. Um, throughout, I see a lot of like, for example, you're sort of R6 or CSGO where it just feels so separated. It just feels like everyone's there to play and then get out no one wants to you know find other people no one wants to create a community and the community there is very toxic at least it can be not everyone's toxic not everyone's standoffish but that's the general vibe i got um you know being a manager i had to go out and talk to people sometimes i had to find you know people um especially under a very old org i used to run rebel nation i was responsible for all American teams. So I had to go out and manage and I had to go out and find people. Um it's just Rocket League so different. And I'm so grateful that this is the game I'm good at. <laughs> yeah, for sure. That that also helps, hey? When you're good at the game that has like a really good community and you enjoy it. And you're cracked. Definitely. And then you go, oh, Hey, yeah. this is good. No, that's great. And then, now now be honest. Are casters decent at the game? Was LeafX good, or did you carry him? Let's just drop a hot take right now. Do casters need... Okay, I'll change the question. Do casters need to be good at the game they're casting, or do they just need to know the game? Um, I think it's the same question about do coaches need to be good at the game uh, versus, um, you know... And my answer is no, they don't. Uh, obviously, you can't be plat, but for example... So you're I, uh, saying I can't be a coach? <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> I think it could be. No, but... I could not be. <laughs> Sorry, keep going. <laughs> <laughs> um, coaches and coaches, coaching and casters a lot. Oh my gosh, I cannot speak. Coaching and casting are both similar in that regard. I finally got it out. Uh, where, um, both are just sort of. You need to know about the game. You don't have to be good at it, because if you know what mechanic needs to be used there, but you just can't do it, then you still know what needs to be done. If you look over a replay, or if you're watching it, then you have some analysis to take into it. Uh, that, and they're same in that regard. Coaching is more of, you need to have an analyst eye. For example, my old coach, and one of my very good friends in the scene, Freezing Wolves, um, he, um, he wasn't the best. I mean, trust me. 
there was a time where he was better than me, but then I got better than him. Take that. Uh, <laughs> and, um, you know, he was one of the best minds I've ever talked to. And he coached my old team. And actually, recently, he had a team go two and three in the closed qualifiers Swiss stage. Oh, they wow. were one series away from making RLCS in Europe. Um, That's awesome. And he's coached pros before. He coached an RLCS team way back. He actually used to be a caster before RLCS was even a thing. So, you know, all of that, he did all of that stuff and never touched above GC1, max. and wow. Or C3, even. And, for example, Leafax, Jorby, um, sit around C2, C3. I think Corelli's around there. Um, there are a couple uh, casters that I know that are like good at the game. Um, for example, the caster Turtle used to be a pro. So yeah, yeah, he's like the one example of someone that was on a. Uh, he's a pro for a couple of years. Played on Rogue. Played on Dignitas when they were North American. Um, so he he wasn't just like. Uh, played on a competitive team in 2015 when everyone and their grandmother was on a competitive team. Yeah. Um, yeah. He was an actual pro at the top of the game. And um, he's one example. I feel like in sports, you see a lot of that where analysts are more, you know, they used to play a sport and now they're analyzing the sport. Yeah. Here in Rocket League, that doesn't need to be the same. I mean, I'm a caster and I'm not good at the game. So, uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, so the answer is no. But back to Leafex, um, that phase tournament, he definitely carried me because I was so nervous and I like owned yeah, gold twice, <laughs> dude. And then you're like, oh no, oh no. <laughs> I'm like, oh no, he's gonna judge me. He's like, dude, I don't care. <laughs> yeah, he's probably, you're just online. We're just hanging out, and you're like, no, no, no this is big. <laughs> Yeah, like, I'm going to go back to editing my video now. I'm like, no, it's, I'm sorry. Like, dude, it's fine. <laughs> yeah, that's how it goes. And I, I think, too, that the more that we grow, because I, I agree with what you're saying and stuff about casters and coaches and stuff not necessarily having to be players, but I think that the bigger the scene gets, the more that there will be opportunities for players who, once you retire, to fall into these other roles, such as casting or analysts or, or coaches or any of these things, because... That's also really great, right? Because that, that kind of relates to more of that traditional sports where the more viewership there is, the more tournaments there are, the more teams there are in it, the more opportunities there are to work in this industry, either as you retire or somebody like myself who never has been a player, to kind of still be within the industry, right? Because it's not just you have to be really good at the game. There's other opportunities, which I think is awesome. So let's talk about casting for a second. How long have you been casting? Did you start casting right? Did you start playing? Did you get into it later? What do you like about it? Um... I started casting um, right after I became a staff member on uh, Black Line Championship Series. Okay. LCS, as better known. That was my first opportunity. Because we, we always run a preseason tournament um, before every season. Especially now since we split off into little divisions. That's going to be like the give people a taste of the hype that's so common. We want, you know, we like people to see you know, the teams. And almost every time, there's a team that shock, a shock makes it to the grand finals. Yeah. Um, yeah. And this time was no different. But Nation's like, we've got so many matches, we've got a lot of teams. Um, are you comfortable helping me cast? I mean, I, I don't need you to have a lot of experience, I just need help. I'm like, sure, I'll try it. Because I've done some basic stuff for my high school, but that's like school, and it's like, I don't need to be good, I just need to be um, so I was like, you know, try it. Um, cause I sort of have a bit of a theater, you know, like choir background, uh, from school. I'm a bit of like a, you know, like sort of production nerd in that sense. Like I'm, I'm, yeah. a, I'm a music nerd for sure. <laughs> me uh, too. But, me too. <laughs> um, so I was like, try, you know what? I feel like it's something good at. And after that happened, and that was the only tournament I was planning on doing. I literally get requested by like tens of like people in the Discord server, like, oh, you're gonna keep casting this season, right? Like that was so fun. Like that was good. And I'm like, sure. Yeah, yeah, it was. All right. yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, okay. Um, I'll do that. 
Um, it's like, that was just so exciting. Because, like, having that hype there behind me kept me going, and I love this game. So shouting my face off while people are, you know, playing uh, is awesome. And the best part for me is, you know, coming back from a cast, you know, getting done and opening my messages. And when I see, like, a player, and this happens, and I think this is an under valued part of the game or the esport mm-hmm. um is complimenting people because i'm not like hey shower me in compliments I, yeah. <laughs> I, I i always try to leave casters a compliment like you know our our wonderful caster that's done the cryos uh you know scrim sundays i always make sure to me too. leave him a compliment because... shout out to galgan oh galgan is so awesome so man. good yeah so good great but like I feel like that's underrated, just complimenting people, because that's what kept me going. And even constructive criticism. I don't need someone in my DMs like, hey, that was bad. Like, okay, that really helps. <laughs> yeah, help me. <laughs> like, Tell me what I can do then to yeah. improve, at least. Exactly. Like, I've gotten some criticism that's helped me over the over the, you know, last year or so in my casting. Um, and, of course... My friend Freezing Wolves has helped me along a little bit as well. He's given me some pointers. Um, I used to cast for a league called um, the like Melon Patch, not Melon Patch League, um, the Sick Premier League. Okay. Um, I got the two of them mixed up because they're similar. Uh, Sick Premier League, um, which was part of the old organization, uh, Sick Esports. They used to be in Rocket League a lot. Unfortunately, they're dissolved now, but. Um, that's where I first um, casted with, you know, like actual casters that have like casted RLCS in like South America. Yeah. Um, Bigger leagues. And, oh, yeah. And the one that uh, helped me out a lot, and I give him a lot of credit for, even though we only casted a few series together, which is really unfortunate, um, is Scully, who works for Melon Patch. That's why I got it confused. He's their academy director over at melon patches wells cast he was so like energetic and it got me going and before that i've really only done solo casting um which is when you're casting by yourself um but i was like you know what? let me try it um i'm comfortable with both um it's just you have to know sort of the unspoken rules of casting yeah when you're casting with someone else like not my rule is don't talk for more than 20 seconds at a time without letting your co-caster, you know, make sure you're understanding your role because there's two sort of roles you can play. You're either a play-by-play caster or a color caster. Play-by-play is exactly what it sounds. You, you know, pretty much say the events as they're rolling, you know, throw in a cool... Again, the... um, you know, just throw in a couple phrases every now and again, make sure you're uh, staying on top of the play. And then there's color, which is more analyst yeah so it's a cool role and i was more of a play-by-play there and just i was so appreciative and being a caster helped so much um with sort of just you know like a lot of different things because i understood a whole new side of the scene and that's why people that's why i like make sure to you know I'm an advocate for, you know, having compliments and constructive criticism if it's the right place. You know? Oh, yeah, for if it's, sure. If it's clear Caster just had a really bad day, like the chat was sick, the teams were being, you know, dumb, like all, all sorts of different things, then that's a situation where it's... I would just hold it. Yeah, they were going yeah. through a lot, but you know, if it's just like their average stream, and you're like, you just go in and like, hey man, I really liked when you did this. Um, if you want to hear it, um, I think that you could have maybe done insert thing here better. Yeah. Um and stuff like that's really helped because I remember this one criticism, which now I'm very on is I got a criticism about to say four or five months ago that I was um a little bit uh I would favorite teams that I knew a bit more which oh, yeah. you know that's probably not good 
Yeah, like, yeah, no. And it wasn't like I was like, oh, this team sucks. It was just I would talk about them a little bit more. Oh, Because okay. obviously I had more information on them, Yeah. You know, than I did on the other team. Um, so that was a problem. And I was like, okay, let me try to focus on that. And that's something I've gotten a lot better at. Um, if, it depends on the, like, level of broadcast. Um, I, for example, if it's, like, a BLCS Division 3 match, I probably won't do this. But, like, if I'm going into a tournament and I know some of the teams there and I like getting paid to cast, or, you know, even if it's, like, BLCS Div 1, I'll make sure that I, um... I do a bit of research beforehand. I actually have a little research document that I keep before most matches, just saying, like, this person is the leading goal scorer. Like, this is their record. This is who they've played. Just so if things are a bit dry or teams are just hitting the ball back and forth off the backboard, which happens more often than you think it would. Yeah, you're like, um, <laughs> ping pong, this is great. <laughs> oh, yeah, like, oh, they're playing game ping pong. While that's happening, let me redirect to, uh, oh, yeah, Zuki's the yeah, you know, he's a leading goal scorer on Cryos. Exactly. It's, it's it's a lot easier to do that. Um, you know, it's just underrated stuff like that, and that's the sort of final thing I want to get into about casting. It's I don't think people realize how hard it is and how it takes a certain type of person to be able to. You know, I was just gonna say that rough. It is so <laughs> difficult. Uh, because you've always got to keep it, for five, seven, even sometimes nine games. You've got to keep things fresh. You got to keep saying new things, like you know, keep adding new jokes, keep adding new phrases, and keeping your energy up is so hard for hours at a time. Um, for someone like me, that's a bit. Oh, no, look at me. I'm a bit more experienced. But for someone like me, that's a bit more experienced in tournaments. It's easier, but if you're a first-time caster, um, it is so incredibly hard to keep going for hours at a time. Like, I remember I was doing one tournament that, yeah, I didn't really like. It wasn't really run well, so I'm not going to name it. But uh, <laughs> um, I did a tournament, and um, uh, I was casting with someone called uh, Nick, who I loved. He's such a sick guy. Like, I... I haven't talked to him since then much, but he was just really awesome there. Mm -hmm. um, and I, uh, you know, he, that was his first time casting. So he actually had to take a bit of a break uh, for like one of the less important, like uh, lower bracket matches. And I, um, I was fine the whole time. Like at the end, I was tired because I'm like, God, I just want to, I, I want to eat. Like, I just want to like get over it because it was like five hours at a oh, certain point. Oh my goodness. So I was like, okay, and yeah, now it's getting time where I just want to like sleep. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, it's hard to keep that up and keep those words going and keep coming up with new words. Because the thing is, you've got, like, I think that's a really under section of casting. You've like word selection. You've got to like say so many different things while watching a game, you know staying aware of what's going on uh you know having stuff in the back of your mind like okay this player's done this this series like you know like sometimes he some it's easier if you have like a stats guy like rlcs has a stats guy behind that gives them the statistics oh yeah um, for sure That's live way as they're casting <laughs> yeah but for me it's like i have to go like for example I'll mention this series um, from BLCS. I casted a series recently, uh, Sway versus Imperium. Um, and these two teams, I swear, they knew that I wanted to go to bed. <laughs> <laughs> so they keep because going. Because <laughs> they had, it, it was only four games, uh, Sway 1 3 1, but it was 14 minutes of overtime. Oh. And it, every game was high scoring until like the final minute. And then it was just a deadlock and no one would score. And then just as I think someone's winning the game, someone's second goal. Like just Dude. out of nowhere. I don't understand how it happens. <laughs> and uh, 14 minutes of overtime. Funny enough, my former teammate, O'Rave, scored 14 goals in that series. Dude. In four games. And I'm just... <laughs> that is insane. And, uh, 
and I'm like literally dumbfounded, like literally speechless at what's going on, which as a caster, not a desirable trait to have. <laughs> I'm like, what? Like, I'm literally screaming, like, what's going on? Yeah. And that, you know, you cast for the games like that. I mean, just those games where nothing makes sense, but it's so fun being along. And you also start to learn some co-casters that sort of match you and that sort of, um, you know, fit you well. Um, yeah. For example, uh, one caster that I really got along with, unfortunately, he just recently retired um, from the scene altogether, um, was uh, Volkenzi was really matched me and I matched him very well. Yeah. The two of us casted very well, but he wasn't really as in the casting as I um but you know, uh, you know, people like that, you just find those couple of people that work really well. And you also have to adapt to other people, but where I'm at right now as a caster, I can pretty much pick and choose who I and who I don't want to work with. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. it's not as hard, but when you get into tournaments, they have a whole caster selection. And while the tournament organizers will try their best, it doesn't always work out that way. Yeah, that's how it goes sometimes. And I, and I just want to say, too, I've only casted a couple of games because if we just couldn't find casters, or it's just kind of like for fun. And it is so difficult. A, because I'm not, I don't analyze the game. I'm only plat. I'm not, I'm not, I don't know these mechanics or anything. But the hardest part, which you mentioned, is literally coming up with words and keeping that energy up. Because there'll be sometimes. We're like casting stuff, and I've probably said the same phrase like a hundred times. The same couple of phrases, just, oh, and now it's in this end. Oh, they're hitting the ball. Oh, that didn't quite work out in their favor. Like little things like that that just get so boring, but I'm like, I don't know how else to word that. So I really applaud all the casters out there, especially high levels and doing it for a long time with different teams they don't know because that's also difficult. And also pronouncing some players' names because sometimes players are just weirdos and put in names that don't make any sense and change their name every game. Spooky does it sometimes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so that's the funny part. It's like, I know what this player's name is, but they're changing it on screen. But regardless, casting is great. And with that, do you have anything else you'd like to add? Any shout-outs anywhere where people can find you? Um, well, I'm on most socials. I am at Sir Vores 40 at Sir404. I'm gonna say it all at once to make sure no one gets confused, because I know you really want to talk to me. <laughs> <laughs> um at most socials, I'm Sir404. Um, last thing I'll say is I'll shout out my two, three now, lovely, awesome teammates, Finest Tokyo and Spooky. Um, we're on a bit of a rough patch right now um, in terms of form, but I think that all of them are working so hard individually to make sure that we get out of it. And for that, I can't thank them enough. Um, it is... As a captain, I've seen many a players who have just not really cared all that much, you know, haphazardly gone about, just sort of get on for the game, get off and don't play until the next game. But these guys work so hard on their own to make sure that they'll, um, you know, do their best. And I can't thank them enough. And I think that... With some more work with Volops, we're having both individual one-on-one -on -one coaching sessions, um, and we're also trying to schedule a team session to go over some replays um, and implementing this new style we've got going. We're all going to be... It's just about to click. We're about to get out of that rough patch. And even, you know, if, for example, BLCS doesn't go our way, we've got other leagues coming up, like Indie Gaming League coming up. That should be a real fun time. We've got bracket tournaments, and it's just going to be really exciting, and I can't wait to see the future. So shout out to them. Um, who else should I shout out to? All right. I'm going to shout out to the other Cry's owner who can't be <laughs> here, uh, and Zuki, all the staff together. And I suppose I can shout you out, although you're here. That really works that way. Oh, it works. But, uh, <laughs> it works. Gas me up. <laughs> um, all right. Thank you guys so incredibly much for being so supportive. Um, there are a lot of orgs where, like, the second their team loses, it's like, oh, well, uh, oh this isn't... Like, if we, if we had the record we had in another org that I've been under, we'd be in trouble. But here, it's just so supportive, and you look towards the future, not at the present. And you look at the potential, not at the current. And, you know, if the current is 
not good. And if there's a clear problem, then of course there's something that needs to be addressed and that will be addressed. But, you know, you see that we're actively working our absolute hardest to make those changes and to do our best to improve. And that is something that I can only thank you so many times for. And I still don't think it would be enough because that is really a supportive environment that I think a lot of org owners either don't understand or don't believe in or just ignore altogether. So thank you. I appreciate that. And I thank you guys for putting in all the work because we do notice it. We do. That's why I'm telling you, I'm not worried about the present. As you kind of said, we're looking to the future. Everything's going to click soon. I know that you guys are going to do it. And listen, BLCS is one thing. Indie Gaming League coming up soon. That'll be a lot of fun. I mean, let's just leak something right now. I'm going to be competing in Indie Gaming League again. <laughs> That's Christ Academy yeah! in Tier 6 <laughs> or Tier 5. And you guys are probably, what, Tier 1 or Tier 2? I don't know how the tiers work. But regardless, two, yeah. yeah, you're going to be in the top. We're going to be in the bottom. It's going to be a lot of fun. And I want to thank everybody who was listening. Hope this was a great podcast. This is probably one of my favorite podcast episodes. I'm not going to lie. Because <laughs> great having you on this one. And I'm excited for what we kind of do in the future. And all the content we want to start creating once we get out there. And I'm not going to leak the second thing. I'll save that for next week. For the what we've been working on. For hopefully getting some org recognition outside of esports. With, Anyways, I don't want to spoil it. I'll, I'll spoil it if, I, if I'm not careful. Even though it's public information. But regardless, thank you everybody for listening. And thank you sir for being on the podcast. And of we'll course. see you guys next week.